0: Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. Will you stand as we begin our worship this Sunday? We're going to sing a song that reminds us that in the valleys of life, in the storms of life, that we are blessed. We just came out of a series that reminded us, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So in those storms of life, God has not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are got his hand on your life, moving you forward. Here we go. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. And when I feel like I've been let down by my friends and family, I can feel the rain reminds me. In the eye of the storm, you remain in
1: control.
2: i yeah.
0: And again and again happy mother's day why don't we go ahead and if you see a mom or a mom to be give her a little tip of the cap and wish her a happy mother's day
3: All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Happy Mother's Day. I'm joined up here with Jenny Holiday, our Tot Town director, and we are going to do child dedication this morning. And uh, there are families joining us up here on the stage. Child dedication is a, it's a celebration and it's an acknowledgement um, that children are a gift from God to us. And uh, today these families are here. present their children back to god and dedicate them back to him Um, one of the main reasons we do this as a church is because we believe that uh, the family and the church working together can be a very strong and powerful influence in the life of a child and so we want to do that together today as they dedicate their children Um, today there's going to be three commitments or promises that happen the first one is from these parents to god they're going to promise god That they want to raise their children the best they can possible for them to know who he is to provide an atmosphere at home that uh that presents jesus to them and helps them understand what it means to follow him so that's commitment number one is from these parents to god commitment number two is um these parents are committing their children to god and saying that uh, they want to do the best they can to to teach their children about who jesus is and what he wants for their life and who he wants them to become And so they're making that commitment here today. And then the third commitment is actually for us as a church. We are committing that uh, we are going to be there for these families, that we want to be an encouragement to them, a support for them. We want to partner with them. We want to create environments here at our church that will help them raise their kids to know who Jesus is. Um, And we can complete that mission of helping these kids know and follow Jesus uh, well on into their adult lives. So those are the three promises and commitments that we're making here today as a part of child dedication.
4: And you may notice there are some other people here on the stage with our families. And these people are representing us, the congregation. They're the symbolic reminder that we are going to encourage and we are going to pray for these families as we partner with them. And I'm so excited that I'm gonna have, have them introduce their families and who they are dedicating. I will start right over here on my right.
2: Good morning, uh, I'm Brett Hoffman. This is my wife, Katie, our boys order Reed. And we're dedicating our daughter, Ellie.
3: Hello, I'm John Unger, and this is my wife, Nicole. And this is our son, Aiden, our daughter, Lexi, and Colton. And we're here to dedicate our newest, Emily.
4: Hello, my name is Lauren Shepherdson, and this is my husband, Noah. And these are our children, Peyton, Madden, and Kemper. And today we are dedicating Lennox.
0: I'm I'm Ed Kennedy, this is my wife Tara, and today we're dedicating Keegan.
2: I'm John Arnold, and this is my lovely wife Chelsea Arnold. And this is our son Jonah, and today we are dedicating Leland. We
4: are the Beesons, I'm Logan, this is Jessica, my daughter Adeline, and we are dedicating Maxwell this morning.
3: What beautiful families, right? This is great. Well, let's go together to God in prayer and uh, dedicate these children to God. God, we thank you for a day like today. We want to celebrate with these families as they're bringing their children uh, back to you um, to say that they want to do the best that they can to raise them to understand who you are and understand who you've created them to be and that at some point in time that they can understand what it means to follow your son Jesus. Uh, God, parenting is not an easy task. It's a, it's a difficult one. And I know these parents are, are going to do the best that they possibly can. And so, God, they need support. They need help. They need encouragement. And that's where we as a church come alongside of them and, and do that and provide that for them. And so, God, I, I just pray for each one of these parents. Me being a parent, too, I, I understand the struggles and the, the time commitments and all of those things that it takes to raise a family. And so, God, I just I pray for, for Brett and Katie. I pray for uh, Jonathan and Nicole. I pray for Noah and Lauren for Ed and Tara, for John and Chelsea, for Logan and Jessica. I pray for, that you would give them um, courage to parent. You give them strength to parent. You would give them uh, boldness to parent. You give them patience to parent their kids. And that you give them wisdom to parent their children in a way that helps their kids see you in a tangible way and that helps them see who Jesus is and what it means to follow them.
4: We also lift up to you, these children, Ellie, Emily, Lennox, Keegan, Leland, and Maxwell. We thank you for them, and we thank you for what they mean to their families. The Bible tells us that children are a blessing from you, and because of that, the plans you have for them are awesome. May they trust you, and may they grow up to be the women and men that you desire them to be. What a blessing for these families that these children were placed with them. We pray because of that, that their hearts will seek you, and Father, as a congregation, may we take our responsibility of encouraging these families and supporting them to heart. We promise to pray for them, and we promise to be an example of your church to them. It's because of you, as a church, that we get to partner with them. We ask all of this in your name, amen.
3: Amen. Let's celebrate and congratulate these families once again. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Uh, We wanted to take a moment in our service to celebrate moms here this morning. So if you are a mom, uh, we want to say thank you just for being who you are. And uh, we want to celebrate you here today. We also want to acknowledge that uh, Mother's Day isn't always easy for some people. And it also can sometimes be a painful day for some and for some various reasons. And and so we don't want to gloss over that and be insensitive to that today so we just want to acknowledge that too but we do want to intentionally celebrate our moms today so can we celebrate moms today together just by clapping <laughs> happy mother's day uh, just one announcement um this morning as our ushers come forward uh, as we prepare to give on um, this morning just one announcement uh, maybe you've been coming to hopevale for a little bit now or maybe you're new to hopevale and you have some questions about uh, things like, you know, who, who are Hopevale? What, what is it, um, what, where have we been? You know, questions like, what do you believe here? Or how do I fit? Um, how do, what's my place here? Um, if you have those questions kind of rolling around in your head, or if you have been here for a short while and you want the answers to those, uh, we have an environment called Get to Know Hopevale that we do that answers those questions specifically. And so uh, that is next week at noon in the venue. And so if you would like to know more about those uh, more about hope and more, more about those questions go out to the uh, the welcome center after the service and you can sign up for get to know hope and you can get more information about that then well, we're going to go to a time of, of giving uh, of our tithes and offerings here this morning and this is actually an act of worship that we get to do um, for god it a lot of things are worship we get to sing um, that's a part of worship we get to to hear from god's word and respond to it. That's worship. We get to to communicate and talk with one another, and that can be a a form of worship community. Um, But we also get to give as an act of worship to God, because we recognize that God has blessed us, and so we want to take that and bless others with what he's blessed us with. And so we're going to take a moment to do that. And if you are here, and you uh, you wouldn't call Hopeville Church your home, but you're just visiting with us, we just want to take the pressure off and say that it's okay if you just let the the plates pass on by. Um, We want this service to be a gift for you, and so no pressure to give. If you want to, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, this is for those who would call Hopeville Church their home church. Um, but this is just an act of, of worship to God that says, God, we recognize that freely you have given to us, and so freely we want to give back. And so let's go to God in prayer as we do that. God, we uh, thank you for all the things that we've been able to do so far this morning, but God, most importantly, we just thank you for who you are. And we want to take a moment here just to pause and reflect and worship you and in that moment God we want to say and acknowledge that you've given us so much that you've blessed us with so much and so we want to take a portion of that and use it to bless somebody else and we know that you're going to take that multiply it and use it in amazing ways to minister to the hearts of people not only here but also around the world and so God I pray as we give we would give out of a cheerful and joyful heart knowing that it's it's going to do something amazing in the life of somebody else. And so, God, we are expectant of that, and we love partnering with you in that. And uh, so, God, may we give in that manner. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Let's remain seated. While we give, we'll stand in a little bit. Rudy's going to lead us in this verse, or let's sing together. powerful to just stand here and sing and be in your presence. Thank you, God, so much for a time to be able to gather at church and to consider what it means to thank and praise the one who's made everything around us, who's made everything for himself. It really is such a beautiful name, uh, the name of Jesus, who's done everything for us, God, and dying a death that should have been ours on a cross, that should have been ours and bearing the weight of the sin of the world separated from you, God, for three days. Heavy, heavy burden. Nobody could have done that but the beautiful name of Jesus. And so that's why we gather again to say thank you. God, uh, may we never grow complacent. May we never grow um, uh, to a place where we're just like, yeah, I've heard that story, and, I've, and I'm, yeah, I'm cool with it, or whatever. But God, every time we awake, every time we breathe, Every moment we have, God, may you hear and experience a thankful heart from us. And so, God, today, here we are, this beautiful Mother's Day, this beautiful day at church where we could gather. God, would you speak to us that word that you desire to speak? Through Pastor Dan, we pray that the words of his mouth would give you praise. We all pray together in Jesus' name and say, amen. Praise the Lord with your hands this morning, friends. You have a seat.
2: The name of the series is Collision Course, and who's the genius who would plan a message series on conflict resolution to fall on Mother's Day? I mean, really, who does that? Well, that would be me, right? Yeah, and I get it, right? I mean, Mother's Day, right? We should have something that's just kind of rainbow, sunshine, butterflies, and puppies, not fights and disagreements. I get that, right? But if we can be honest for a moment, that even the best ideas for Mother's Day don't always go as planned. Take, for instance, these pictures. These are actual homemade cards that kids gave their moms on Mother's Day. So here's one, right? Happy Mother's Day. You're almost as good as Dad. Almost. (laughs) Mm. Ah, Warms her heart. Love Henry, Molly, and the stupid dog. I yeah so yeah. Here's another uh, heartfelt one. Thank you, Mom, for making me food so I don't die. <laughs> yes, Brendan. And then on the other side of the food coin, there's this one. Thank you, Mom, for being wonderful, caring, and not making your meatloaf anymore. <laughs> And then finally, I think this one falls under the It's the Thought That Counts category. Let me read this. Dear Mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. (laughs) Love, Brooke. There is so much going on in that one. I don't even know where to begin. I do. Don't mess with Brooke, right? That's... Yes. Well, I hope your Mother's Day gifts and cards today hit the target a lot better than those did. But the point remains, doesn't it, right? Because whether it's Mother's Day specifically or it's just life and relationships in general, we have these images in our minds of how we think things should be, of how we want them to be. But then reality comes, right? Smacks us upside the head. Pain, sorrow, disappointment, heartache. It's the adult child who doesn't call mom today, right? Either because they simply forgot or... Maybe they're trying to make a point. Or it's the conflicted marriage that started off with so much promise but now is just filled with constant tension, ongoing disagreements. Or it's the the friendship where it used to be those two, right, against the world, but now they've turned their backs on each other. And not only have they found other people to hang with, but now they're purposely trying to make each other's lives miserable. You see, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to do a series called collision course because people would always get along and never collide but we don't live in a perfect world do we no so the question is how can we navigate well through the relational conflicts we all face in life that's what this series is about and we kicked things off last week by talking about the ultimate goal that God has for us when we deal with relational conflict conflict of all kinds and in a word, in a word, that ultimate goal that God has for us is simply this: it's peace, peace. Where peace is more than just the elimination of tension and the absence of conflict; it's also the presence of relational health. If you're a numbers person, you might put it this way: that the goal isn't just to take a negative situation and bring it to zero. No, you want to take it even further and get it into the positive. Now, don't get me wrong, eliminating tension, removing conflict in a relationship, those are good things. They're necessary steps to get us to where God wants us to be. They are not, however, the end goal. See, God, at the core of his heart, is an idealist. He is. He's an idealist. He wants us aiming for peace. Now, like I said last week, I'm not suggesting that peace is an easy or quick goal, Nor should we expect it to be the eventual outcome for every single circumstance where there's a conflict, but still peace and reconciliation and resolution. Those are God's ultimate goals for us. And just to be clear about something, God is not a say one thing but do another kind of God. No, He set the standard really high for pursuing peace no matter the cost by sending His Son Jesus into this hostile world of ours to sacrificially die in our place so that we who were once estranged from our god could now be brought back into a forever relationship with him and so what god has done for us he now asks for us to do to passionately pursue peace with others no matter the cost so when it comes to the goal of peace god is an idealist but there's another aspect to god where he's also a realist. A realist, that he knows that peace in a conflicted relationship isn't automatic. He knows that obstacles get in the way like the ones we looked at last week, right? And so recognizing all that, God gives us these instructions as his followers. Romans 12, verse 18, kind of a theme verse for this series. If it is possible, the Apostle Paul writes, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. That's the ideal goal, right? That's what we're shooting for. But he qualifies that at the beginning with these words, if it is possible, right? If it is possible, peace requires two willing parties, right? Who both want the same thing. But since you and I can't control what another person is going to think, feel, say, or do, got to recognize that sometimes that peace may not always be possible. At least right away. Now things can change. People can change. And that's what we hope for. That's what we pray for. But how someone is going to respond to our peacemaking efforts, that's ultimately their responsibility and not ours, right? And we need to recognize that. So when it comes to conflict resolution, God doesn't want us to carry more than we're supposed to. And yet we are supposed to carry something. We are. That's why you see this pivotal phrase in the middle. As far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you, which really is what this series is all about. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me. God, in this conflicted relationship that I'm in, this one that has brought so much sadness and anger and confusion to my heart, what do you want me to think and feel and say and do? God, what is it? Show me, and then Holy Spirit, give me the power to actually make that happen, to rise above this stubborn streak within me that doesn't want to do anything about it, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So that's where we're going with this series. But today, I want to talk about the very first thing. The very first thing that we're supposed to do, we're going to navigate conflict well and pursue God's goal of peace. The very first thing. What would be, uh, you know, I said last week we want this series to be highly biblical and intensely practical, right? Because it's in the Bible where we find God's wisdom, wisdom that we're not just supposed to know about but put into practice, right? What is then the very best possible first step we can take to deal with relational conflict in our lives? Well, for starters, here's what you got to understand, that the first step you and I need to take is not usually the first step we often take the first step you and i need to take is not the first step we usually take see when it comes to relational conflict in our lives here's the path that we normally take them me god Them, me god that when we're at odds with someone else we usually spend most of our time thinking about them we're thinking about the offender right we're consumed with this other person we're in conflict with right And so it's all their fault. That's all we can think about. How could she do that? Why is he such a horrible person? Or why are they so blind, so uncaring to the hurt they've caused me, right? So when we start there, when we dwell on the offender, when we're consumed by their offense, it becomes really easy to stay stuck in conflict, right? It does, because then we start magnifying, right, the wrong, the severity of the wrong they've committed. We blow it out of proportion, we begin to attribute motives to why they did what they did, and we're absolutely convinced we know the whole story, right? The real reasons behind their actions. We can also then take a single incident and make broad, sweeping judgments about the kind of person they are, the awfulness of their character, right? This is what happens when we start with them. And when you begin there, when you keep dwelling upon that person, that conflict, that incident, it then leads you to think about yourself, right? Right? It's all their fault, I know I'm right, right? That's the next step we take when we travel down this path. When you get to this place, see, it's no longer about pursuing peace, it's about winning the fight. It's about proving your point. Because after all, you do have every right to be angry and hurt, and so you keep this long list running in your head, right, of all the reasons why they're the ones who need to come crawling back to you asking for forgiveness, right? I mean, it's so obvious. You might even draw other people in along the way so you can share your version of the story so they can affirm even further that you have every right to feel and act the way you do, right? Them, me, and then maybe we bring God in at some point, right? (laughs) It's all their fault. I know I'm right. And God, show them they're wrong, right? (laughs) Right? And if you've already concluded everything you need to know about this conflict, maybe God could just come along and help them see the error of their ways, right? That would be a bonus, huh? I mean, if we're going to pray about it, that's the least God could do for us, don't you think? Right? That's the path we travel. Them, me, God. Now, some of you might think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but is it really? Because it's real easy when you're in a conflict to just keep dwelling on it, to keep replaying that incident over and over and over again in your mind, Right? or you vividly picture that expression on their face, the tone of voice they used with you, or or how about this, maybe you beat yourself up over that perfect zinger you think of later that you should have said to them earlier, right? Ever done that? I know I have, right? I mean, I gotta tell you that conflict has such a downward magnetic pull on our lives that if we're not careful, it's just gonna suck us right in, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And that other person, the offender, the one you're in conflict with, they're all you think about, and essentially then they take over your life. Them, me, God. Thankfully, though, that's not the only option we have when it comes to conflict. No, God's got another plan. God's got a better plan, one that's going to lead us toward peace, not away from it. See, what if, what if we took our normal path of conflict, them, me, God, what if we took that and turned it upside down? to this, God, me, them. Where God is our first stop, not our last resort. Where instead of bringing him in at the end, if we think about, he's the one we go to right away at the beginning. What if we approach conflict like that? See, the fact is, on our own, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough to overcome the downward magnetic pull of conflict. Now, God already knows that about us. He's just waiting and wanting for us to realize that same conclusion as well. And when we do, it's going to make all the difference in the world. It is, because it starts, when we start with God, it changes our perspective that instead of dwelling on the conflict, we look up to God. When God becomes our first stop, not our last resort, so we're trying to work through a tough relational situation, our perspective is going to change in a couple very significant ways and that's what i want to talk about with you today that when we take a me first or excuse me a god first approach to conflict it's really going to change our perspective in a couple ways the first is this you'll come to realize that you are not your conflict you are not your conflict let's face it when god's not part of the picture relational conflict can and will take over your life It will, so much so that it's going to shape you as a person and it's going to seep into every other area of your life. For instance, if you're angry about a particular conflict with a certain person, there's often a kind of spillover anger that shows up in our other relationships where they end up paying the price for what you're going through with someone else even though they had nothing to do with it. The more the conflict lingers in you unaddressed and unresolved, the more it begins to take over your life. Today is Mother's Day. I realize it's a great day to honor those moms here with us who have loved us sacrificially. But I also realize that's not the case for everyone here. Now, some of you had or maybe still have a very conflicted, very complicated, very combative relationship with your mom. Those times where you felt like she was always coming down on you, you could never quite measure up. Maybe there are even times you tried to reach out and patch things up, but she wouldn't have any part of it. Listen, when things are that tense with a parent, with a mom, over time it can define you as a person, can take over the direction of your life. It can so much so to the point where you and the conflict are essentially one. See, that's what happens when you dwell upon the conflict and leave God out of the picture. But you and I are willing to look up. If we're willing to be open to let God change our perspective, some amazing things can happen. See, because you are not your conflict, you and I need to first, we need to embrace our identity in Christ. Embrace your identity in Christ. The Bible makes it clear that our lives are not to be defined by our circumstances, nor are our lives to be, to be defined by the actions of other people and the conflict we might have with them. No, instead we are to let the Spirit of God speak through the Word of God, to tell us the truth about who we really are, right, from God's point of view colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience what defines a christian some might say it's going to church others might say it's doing nice things for other people some might say it's praying a prayer to trust in jesus now in some ways All these are part of the picture. But when you talk about something as essential as your identity, that it's who you are and how you should see yourself, I think the beginning of this verse captures it the best. That if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and this is how I would describe you, according to God, that you are chosen by God. Chosen by His Great love. You are holy and forgiven before him. You are also dearly loved by the creator of this universe. All this is yours because of what Jesus did for you and your response of wholehearted faith in return, right? Chosen, chosen, holy, dearly loved, can you let those words just sink in a little bit? See, for the person who has been rejected, for the person who's been told they're worthless, for the person whose heart has been crushed by conflict, as devastating as those experiences can be, they don't have to have the final say in your life. No, what God says of you, what God thinks of you, what God knows to be true of you in Christ is greater, stronger, truer than anything else, because In Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, you are holy. In Christ, you are dearly loved. This is your real identity as a Christian, and no one in this world can take that away from you. And when you know this to be true of yourself, when you fight to embrace it, you know what happens? Begins to weaken the grip that conflict can have on your life. You are not your conflict, so embrace your identity in Christ, and then also pursue your better life as a Christian. Embrace your identity in Christ. Pursue your better life as a Christian. See, when the Bible talks about our new life in Christ as Christians, there are two aspects we need to think of. The first is the one we already looked at, our identity, who I am to God, right? That always needs to be at the forefront of our minds. But there's a second one that's also important. It has to do with our growth and who I am becoming because of him. See, there's a who I am already part and there's a who I am becoming because I am growing and maturing as a Christian. So back to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's already settled, that's already a fact, clothe yourselves. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, these marks of a better life as a Christian. Earlier on in Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about people being filled with things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, all these descriptions of a life that is defined by conflict. But instead of that, we're called to begin to clothe ourselves. It says here, right? What a wonderful word picture, right? With these Christ-like character qualities compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, anything and everything that will diffuse a conflict and and pursue peace. We're to be that way towards all people, even those who've wronged us and hurt us. This is the better life that Jesus calls us to. There is this growing, maturing aspect of the Christian life, but it requires our cooperation with the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That the direction I need to be headed in has got to be more important to me than any conflict I've got going on. So Paul continues, verse 13. So bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you have, has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then over all these virtues, again, kind of this clothing theme, right? Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity this further description of a better life we're called to as Christians, a life that is marked by things like patience and forgiveness and love, where we're just expressing to others what we've already experienced from the Lord. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And what a great calling this is, because our lives, they're meant to be so much more than just staying mad, being right, and getting even, right? Some people never get past that in life, right? Staying mad, being right, and getting even. That's what you're shooting for in life. It's going to lead to a pretty sad life. I'm just going to tell you right now. Now, I know this side of heaven, we are always going to have conflict with other people. We are. It's inevitable. Even still, you and I don't have to let that conflict define who we are because you are not your conflict. That's one of the new perspectives we get when we first look up to God instead of dwelling on our conflict. Here is a second perspective you are not alone in your conflict you're not alone in your conflict we are built as people for relationships we're built for a connection and so when we're in the midst of a heated disagreement with someone else or an icy standoff for that matter we feel it and it can be a pretty lonely place we feel wronged we feel misunderstood we can't believe this other person is getting away with all these lies and deceptions and so in our loneliness we're screaming on the inside can't anyone else really see what's going on here it's a lonely place to be and in that loneliness that comes from conflict (laughs) you know it's actually one of the reasons we're tempted to slander and gossip about others right Why? Because we want to be understood. We want to be proven right. We want justice to prevail. That this cruel person on the other side of my conflict would be exposed for how wrong they really are. The loneliness of conflict is real. But involving other people first, that's not the way to solve it. No, we first need to look up to God. And when we do, we're going to discover that we're not alone in our conflict. That God is with us every step of the way. And this plays out with a couple very specific actions on our end see first when we know that we're not alone in our conflict we need to let go of revenge let go of revenge because we as people are created in the image of god we have an incredible need for justice that's implanted within us it's in there and it flares up when we're in the midst of conflict right makes us angry it riles us up and when we feel like we're in this thing alone compels us to want to take matters into our own hands that's where revenge comes from right comes from a a feeling for justice warped albeit but wanting justice but in taking revenge as a way to address justice is certainly not god's plan for us you go back to romans 12 verse 18 our theme verse for this series just once again if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone right where that's our foundation, but look at what the Apostle Paul says right after that. Next verse, verse 19. So because of that, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, his righteous judgment, his perfect justice. Leave room for that, right? For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Don't take revenge because you're not in this alone. The Almighty God, the King of this universe, the Judge over all, He sees everything. He knows everything. Nothing escapes His notice. Not only that, but God cares far more about justice than you do. It's in His very nature to do so, so leave the vengeance business up to Him. Listen, I'll make you a promise that when you eventually leave this world and enter the next one, when you are in the presence of the Lord forever and you finally get to see things as He does, I can guarantee you that there's never going to be a time where you're going to question his justice and his judgment. Never. You're never going to have that time where you're going to say, God, how come you let this cruel person get away with all that bad stuff? It just won't happen. No, we need to know that God is far more qualified and concerned than you and I could ever be to handle every matter of justice and fairness. And that includes the ones that involve the conflicts we're in right now. See, so I think this one's big for some of us here today. you got to let go. you got to let go of that revenge you're carrying, and you got to give it over to God. To trust and to wait. Wait, that's the hard part, isn't it, the waiting? Because when we're all knotted up inside, we want immediate re- relief. We want justice, payback for those who have hurt us, and we want it right away. See, that's where the trust part comes in, to not only trust in the wisdom of God's justice, but also in the timing of God's justice, that he will make all things right in his perfect timing. So maybe that's your step today. Can you do that? Can you say to God, God, here, take this. (laughs) I've been carrying the weight of justice. I've been carrying the weight of vengeance of getting back, of getting even. I mean, I've just been carrying that, and it's wearing me down. You know, maybe your breakthrough moment today with the conflict that you're wrestling with right now is simply this, is to look up and to let go, right? To look up to God, because you've been trying to figure it out all on your own, to look up to God and to let go of the revenge, right? Right? When you know that you're not alone in your conflict, you can let go of revenge. And then finally, you can also hold on in prayer. Hold on in prayer that our loving Heavenly Father, our good, good Father, He extends to us this warm and inviting welcome to come to Him in prayer and to give Him our conflicts. That's how we hold on, even in the midst of the most intense relational situations. See, try to do that on your own. Try to hold all that by yourself, and it will crush you. It will. That's why we need, as the Bible says, to cast our cares on the one who cares for us. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, verse 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What's on your heart? What are you worried about? What are you mad at? Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ. Every situation, the Bible says, even the most conflicted ones, God invites us into the messes to bring him those situations in prayer. Present your requests to God, Paul says, and when we do, I love this, he promises to pour out his peace upon our hearts and our minds, right? I love that, that he is going to minister both to what we feel and what we think. I mean, I know that why don't you just pray about it can come across like a Christian cliche. And I know that most of the times when we need to resolve conflict with someone else, we have to do more than just pray. But even still, like I said at the beginning, when it comes to having the right perspective, prayer needs to be our first stop, not our last resort. Sometimes people are like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Just tell God, you know, what you're feeling. God, here's my conflict, right? Show me what to say. Show me what to do. Show me how to wait on you. Show me how to trust in you, Invite him into that. Pray all for his glory, not just for your good, but for the good of everyone involved, right? You are not alone in your conflict. So hold on in prayer. I want to encourage you as I close. I, I want to encourage you to invite the Lord into your conflict today. Don't keep dwelling on it. Don't let its downward magnetic pull keep you from rising up and moving ahead. No, look up to God first and discover a new perspective, a better perspective that's going to lead you to a place of life and freedom and victory. Why? Because you are not your conflict. And you are not alone in your conflict. No, you belong to Jesus. This is who you are. This is your identity. And Jesus, he will be with you always, every step of the way. Let's pray together. Lord, there is no question that life can get hard relationships can get messy and conflicted. And when we're in the midst of that, it it pulls us down, it pulls our vision down, and we don't naturally look up, but we look at. Right? Give us faith. Give us strength to turn to you first, to invite you in and to let you lead us to give us a new perspective or to understand who we are to you and how that's more important than anything anyone else could say about us or do to us and that in this place of strength and freedom and confidence we can pursue the life the better life that you call us into a life not of anger but of compassion life not of revenge but of patience And that, God, we would understand we're not alone in this conflict. And so we can let go of revenge. We can trust you to make all things right in your good time. And that, meanwhile, we can just hold on in prayer. And as we hold on in prayer, you will guard our heart, you will guard our mind in Christ Jesus. And what a blessing that is. (sighs) For those who are weighted down today, Lord, would you lift them up? Would you fill their hearts with the light of your love? the love that comes from Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand together.
0: There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is the world Born for our salvation Jesus Sing yeah. sickness, There is a light That overwhelms the darkness There is a kingdom That forever reigns There is freedom From the chains that bind
2: singing that song, this one line jumped out at me and I want to give this to you to take into your week. You stand in the fire beside me. Jesus stands in the most intense, most agonizing situations that you're in. Relational conflict, loneliness, life turmoil, whatever it is, Jesus is there, right there with you. You need to know that. How powerful that is, how powerful that is. Next week, we're gonna continue our Collision Course series. We're gonna talk about the importance of inspection and looking inward as we're working through conflict. Also, next Sunday, we have our annual business meeting, two o'clock in the venue. Where we'll be able to tell you about the upcoming ministry year. Also, uh, next Sunday is our last three-service Sunday before we hit our summer schedule, which is the following week in Memorial Day weekend when we'll go back to two services. But as you go from here, know that Jesus is with you, that Jesus is for you, always and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you.